Hey, welcome back. My name is Dr. TK. And in today's infertility journey series, I will be talking about manifesting a pregnancy over the age of 35 after two surgeries and what happens when things come up unexpectedly during a geriatric pregnancy. Let's go ahead and tune in. Hey, my name is Dr. TK. And on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant mental health business tools to help you become the person you were meant to be. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist working for a government agency and being a professor for over 18 plus years into building a multi six figure mental health business. My goal is to remove the employee mindset and replace it with an abundant CEO mindset. We will uncover the good, the bad and the ugly of business ownership. I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapist Deserve Abundance Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back. My name is Dr. TK. So I am super excited to have you make it to part five. And so if you are new here, I would highly encourage you stop this video, go back and listen to part one through four so that you can be sped up and understand all the things that I've shared related to getting pregnant, um, some disappointments, health journey, infertility, and all the things, okay? So in this particular part, I will be talking about unexpected things that occurred after I found out I was pregnant. So to take you a little bit back from the end of part four is that I had just found out I was pregnant. We chose not to share with anybody outside of clearly me and my husband and my mom. And I wanted to make it like a birthday celebration and reveal that I was pregnant during my birthday, which is September. Now, Along those lines, I also want to talk about what does it mean when you have a business, being a business owner, when these things happen. Um, One question that comes up a lot um, with people when I've shared this journey is how do you tell your clients or people that you're working with long term that you're pregnant? Because eventually you'll have to take time off, especially as a psychologist. So because I wasn't showing that much and I hadn't told everybody that I was pregnant yet, I wanted to wait until after I was six months pregnant, right? Only because to be honest, it was a super high risk pregnancy. And it's not to say that I was thinking super negative, like, oh, something's going to happen. But I just erred on the side of caution, especially me being a therapist. I don't want my clients to feel like they have to take care of me, you know? And I was so small where only the teenagers really knew that I was pregnant. Like when I, when it finally came out, they were like, I knew it, you know, but it's kind of rude for kids to be like, are you pregnant to a woman? Cause what if I'm just like bigger, you know? So at the time to put some context around it, I was teaching at a community college. I was also um, teaching part-time at other institutions that I can really maneuver my schedule around, right? But the community college I was teaching for the longest stint of time, which was 15 to 18 week courses. The other universities were more graduate school, five to eight week courses in a given semester. So I didn't tell my students at the college because again, same reason, I didn't want to say anything. However, two high school students walked up to me after class and said, hey, miss, I don't know if this is rude, but are you pregnant? And I'm like, yes. And they were like, oh, okay. I just thought I was tripping, you know, because they had been with me since August. And now we're talking about September, October. So I went to my regular routine appointment um, with the OBGYN during pregnancy and she did her regular ultrasound. And she was like, wait a minute. I see some extra fluid. (laughs) Now me being me, I'm like, well, the baby is in a sack. (laughs) 
So what extra fluid could there be? And she said something like, maybe there's a leak. Now, to be quite frank, I was working out, not extra hard, like literally walking, doing hand weights. I wasn't doing no jumping, but I low-key still had abs when I was like six months pregnant. So I was in shape. I was exercising in my garage and taking walks because again, I was told by other people that had babies that if you don't stay in shape the way that you were before you were pregnant, you may actually have a harder pregnancy, let alone a harder birth. And I'm like, oh no, you know, like I'm already older, you know? So, um, when she told us to go to her office after the appointment, I'm like, here we go again with these dang on surprises. If you saw part one and part two. So she sat me and my husband down in a chair and I'm like, these are the same chairs we sat in when you told us I needed surgery, you know, like what kind of surgery? So she told us that effective immediately, like today, I can't go to work. So I said, I'm on bed rest. She said, no. Well, I said, it sounds like bed rest because you just told me I can't drive. I can't go to work and I am a negotiator by nature. So I was like, well, what if my husband drive me to work? I do therapy. I sit down for a living. The people at the front desk can call me when somebody is here. One of my clients, they can walk to my door. I could just open it from the couch. All I'm going to be doing is walking to the bathroom like I would do at home anyway. And she was like, yeah, no, nothing. And I'm thinking like, was it my workout? Like, what the hell was it that prompted this fluid situation? But nobody knows. So mind you, we're in the middle of a semester. We had this appointment in October. I have finals in about six weeks. My therapy clients don't know that I'm pregnant. My teaching program, the dean, don't know that I'm pregnant. So I not only have to tell these people that I'm pregnant, not in my own way, I also got to tell them like tonight because I can't go to work tomorrow. Now at that time at Southwest College, I also was not teaching online at that time. Now I had taught online at other institutions. So what I ended up doing, and I, I don't know if I should have done this, but I mean, they knew I was doing it, is I pivoted my entire classroom to online. I talked to people in the office and I said, I'm still going to prep them for their tests. I'm still going to have Zoom calls. And all of my students showed up. I was so excited. They were so excited still to like get the knowledge, but they ain't got to come to the campus. And so it worked for everybody because that class was also on like Monday evenings for three hours. So I used Zoom breakout sessions, like all the stuff I do in my business right now with my clients for coaching, but I was able to practice it with teaching, right? So I maneuvered through the teaching. Cause I even tried to do that. Like, can I just sit on a desk? Can I sit in the chair? She was like, no. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I had to do finals on zoom and send them like a Google test. But what I will insert right now is that all of this was for preparation for what's to come. Everything that I've shared to this point was preparation, including the aftermath of my surgery with how my body recouped from it. Okay. So Fast forward, I'm on bed rest. During the same time, my husband is going through court for a custody situation for his son with just that situation. So um, there was a job that he was at and he had gotten moved up where he was working in somebody's like payroll department, right? And so the job got bought out by another company. So just to give you some context, if you're familiar with Southern California, we were living in Compton. His job was already in Culver City, which with traffic was an hour and a half. 
They gave him initially a break on certain days to go pick up his son from school, drop him home to me, go back to work and then come home and take care of his son for like, he did a split shift basically. So the company that bought him moved to Burbank, which is like with traffic two to two and a half hours each way. On top of that, they cannot give him a split shift, which means that we're really stuck with two options here in the midst of me having to decrease my hours in my private practice because not everybody wanted to go telehealth online at the time with me because that's what happened in my private practice. I also knew that after the semester, I couldn't teach anymore. So now we tap into my cash flow. I knew eventually it would happen, but I didn't think it was going to happen like this, you know? And so I knew everything would stop around January, February because I was due in March. So if you saw my last few uh, videos, you would have known that I said March is very significant for something. Okay. I was doing March. So my husband and I sat down and talked and pretty much like me being the therapist that I am, I was like, you only got two choices here. You have a choice of taking care of your son or you miss out on that time and something may happen in court and you keep this job. And he was like, well, what am I supposed to do? I need money. And I'm like, that's true. We got to get creative. I'm a creative person. So I taught him how to do my medical billing. Well, that couldn't have come at a better time because that's where my pregnancy, I started to get not morning sickness, but a little dizzy. When I stared at a computer for over five minutes, I got dizzy. I got extremely tired. I didn't have any vomiting or nauseation until I was about to go into labor. Okay. And so he started working in my group practice at the time because I still had not shut it all the way down until I was about to give birth. Okay. And so he was doing all the medical billing for me, plus like six to eight therapists at a time. Um, He was doing insurance checks for me. And that was pretty much it, like super minimal while I was sitting on the couch, still building my caseload. So some of the things that I was doing, because I was very intentional with how I spent my time, because I couldn't go nowhere, is that because he was going through this, uh, this uh, drama with the mother of his child, I said, well, there got to be something I can learn to help him out. So I chose to get certified in being a parenting class facilitator. Cause you know, when you go to court, sometimes people have to get parenting. I became that person where I can offer it through my private practice. So I'm like, not only am I learning things about becoming a parent um, because of the workbook and all that kind of thing, but I also can use the information to share it with my husband. So that was very beneficial. I'm gonna say that was a strong ROI in terms of my investment, even with my family, not to take in consideration also my business. And so that was a win-win. I was able to do the whole course from home, ace my test, had an aced interview with the person and he was like, you good to go. Cool, on my couch, right? Also, I was taking phone calls for people who wanted to see me for therapy. Um, And I told them I was pregnant. I told them that I may be back on this day, but it depends on how the birth goes. I'm not sure. I had people that said I'll wait six months. So I gave them a um, ethics disclaimer about if they need therapy right now, they need to go find a therapist. And then when I come back, if they're still available and they want to move forward, then we can go ahead and start therapy. They said, cool. So your girl doubled her caseload on the couch. I also got contracts to get paid when I started back work from the couch, right? So I was in a very good position from my couch, okay? So March comes, I'm not dilating. I need to have this baby because my stomach ain't that big, but it's big enough. And um, they pretty much said, if you don't have him by a particular day, they would induce my pregnancy. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but okay. So I did not have him on my own. 
I had to check in. And the crazy part is I was not nervous like I was when I had the surgery. I was cool, calm, and collective. And I firmly believe that I was cool, calm, and collective because I had been through all this other stuff. Like, this is what I've been waiting on. I better be jumping for joy. (laughs) And so I was inside. And so we went to go check into the hospital. And in between that time, in terms of also manifesting, is that I made sure to script out every single thing that I wanted to do before I had my son, like um, taking a breastfeeding class, CPR class, and all these other things that, you know, we can go on YouTube and do it, but I really wanted to experience it as a first time mom, because all my friends had experienced it in their 20s. And I'm like super late. They got teenagers and stuff, grown people, you know, and I'm sitting here about to have a baby. And so when we checked in, they basically got me dressed, got me checked into a room, and then they gave me a small pill, but they had to cut it in half. You wouldn't believe like half of the size of a dime, that half of a size of a dime pill had me in super duper like contractions. I said, well, damn. But I, my goal was I wanted to utilize um, some lamas and meditation techniques that I had learned on YouTube to be able to keep my nerves calm with being mindful during contractions. And I did not want an epidural unless I absolutely needed it. I wanted to go as natural as I could outside of what they had to do to induce me as possible. So my get it crew, my pregnancy crew that was in a room was me, my husband, my mom, and my best friend, which is my husband's cousin's wife. If y'all saw, like, if y'all heard the first story, part one. So, um, all of them were there. They were in there with me for like a whole two days. Okay. The first day within the first three hours, I remember my husband and my best friend walked over across the street to Jersey Mike's. I was still able to eat, eat a little bit at that time, like some chicken noodle soup. My mom was in a room with me and all of a sudden all the nurses come running in because we hear this big, like sound. So I'm like, why are they rushing in here? And it was because his heart rate dropped. So they snatched the food away from me. They gave me ice. I'm like, I don't chew ice. My teeth are too sensitive, which sucks. And so they were like, you can't, you can't eat. So um, they put me in a bed. I was having contractions. And what I would do, just so you know, I would like tap out and detach from the room. That's the best way I can describe it. And what I would do is like turn over, go into my own world, close my eyes. And my happy place was a calm, beautiful beach. I just went to a different beach every time I closed my eyes and I made it through until the next morning. So basically almost 36 hours until I had to get an epidural. Okay. I don't, I don't think I got an epidural until probably like two o'clock in the afternoon. I had checked in at like eight o'clock in the morning the night before the day before. And so I, I, I felt like I took it like a champ because them contractions were like, crazy. right? And my friend said, when I was on an epidural, she said, man, you slept through them things. Them things was like hopping off the chart. Now the crazy part is I did not dilate as much as I should have. So after the third heart rate dropped, okay, I felt like something was wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to your intuition. I told my husband, they need to fix something because he not gonna, he's not gonna be in my stomach and the heart rate is just dropping. That makes our heart drop. You've, you've carried this baby for nine, 10 months, okay? And so I started getting nervous, but I'm like, I gotta stay calm because I've done so well this whole pregnancy, no stress. If there was like some mother of the child drama, I'm like, go outside because I live in a non-toxic zone because I'm already an anxiety prone person. 
And it is biologically true. You can pass that stuff on to your unborn child. I don't want that, right? I need him to be like calm. Now he ain't calm right now, but he ain't anxious either. He's like a little risk taker. And so on the second day, I chose to get the epidural. And of course I'm numb, right? And then that night, everybody's tired because they're like, damn, like I've only dilated six centimeters. So when the last doctor came in, she was like, and a surgeon would pop in and out, but she was like working on another rotation. So she just made sure that they were doing a job, you know, because I was one of her best clients or patients. And so one doctor or nurse came in and said, oh, congratulations, you're at seven centimeters. I'm like, yes, this baby will be out of me by like this time. (laughs) Man, the next doctor came in and said, you at six. I said, well, damn, give me some hope. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me stay at the seven. Give me a (laughs) 6.75. So she was like, no, you haven't dilated. I'm like, this is horrible. Like what is going on? So that night, probably at midnight or somewhere around there, the nurses run in again and I'm asleep because I don't feel nothing. So they run in again and they tell me to get on all four First of all, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot feel my damn knees. So for you to tell me to get on all four, we tried this earlier. It won't be successful. (laughs) Okay. So anyways, I said, this ain't happening. So I felt kind of delirious because I'm tired. I ain't eating in two days. So my husband, I woke him up because he was sitting in a little recliner chair. I said, I need you to walk over here. I just said this loud. And I need you to uh, listen. I said need in that moment, ladies. I'm in pain. I said, figure out what they doing because I feel like they're talking about a C-section. And me and my doctor had already talked about the possibility of me needing a C-section if my high-riskness get, gets in the way, right? But that wasn't my first choice. So my husband, he was about to say something and my nerves took over. I said, um, what are we doing here? <laughs> What are we doing? And so they were like, you know, the baby is like heart rate. This is the fourth time it's dropping 48 hours. Um, we're now concerned about the health of the baby. It's literally like 15 damn people in my room. 15? Y'all need to get this baby out of me. Also to save my life because mothers having birth ain't no joke either on our health. So I said, take him out. They said, you want a C-section? Give me the paperwork. Take him out now. Save my child. Because in that moment, I'm like, this is what it feels like for you to save a child before you save your own. Oof, right? So that was the first time I saw my mom, well, second time in my whole life, I saw my mom cry. I asked her later why she cried and she was like, I don't like to see you in pain. I'm like, that hurt me again. So I rode out and um, this is part will probably be TMI, but I'm gonna share it because my husband shared it. And I was like, no, he did not share this part. So um, what ended up happening is they, you know, wheeled me in. Luckily, what I am grateful for is that my entire medical team was the same team there every day. It was their two days to work. So the same anesthesiologist that gave me my epidural, he was there as well. So I felt a lot more just calm, but I'm gonna say I felt nervous because I couldn't see what was going on. So I kept like looking at him and then I was worried about my heart rate. Like what the hell is going on? So my husband came in and I thought that he wasn't going to be able to come in because it was an emergency C-section. <laughs> so he told me this after he was like, Cause I was wondering why he was staring like that. And he said when he came in, they had already like the baby was coming out. They went in there and took him out. <laughs> and initially, I didn't hear him cry, so that freaked me out. Then they, you know, they pat him over and he cried. I'm like, all right. But um, my husband said I was just bored, based that they were stuffing back inside of you. I said, what do you mean stuffing? <laughs> he said, ladies, everything that they got to take out to get the baby. 
they got to put it back in. And I'm like, I knew this, but damn the visual, <laughs> right? So clearly all the preparation that I had been through up to this point with the pain from the surgery, the minor stomach pains, the pain post the surgery, I believe that it got me prepared to battle against this C-section because when I talked to other people who had a C-section, even over 35, I was 38 when I had my son, they were like, I've never seen somebody bounce back this fast. I went at my pace. I know how to listen to my body. And I remember motivating people who had just had a baby online on Facebook. I'm like, look, I'm doing one little lap around the island of my kitchen. And they were like, you better sit your tail down. And then I was like, look, I dropped up my body weight, my baby weight. They were like, you better sit down. You better not be working out. And I'm like, communers. Like I went after people, like, don't tell me what to do. You have no idea what I even did to lose his weight. And it's called just breastfeeding and eating well. I'm not, I was never eating for two. Okay. Like that is a flawed statement. You don't eat for two. You eat for yourself and you satisfy yourself by getting full. Cause a baby will know when you're full, right? People just use that as an excuse to me to overeat my opinion. So no, don't come for me. And so we were able to transition home with baby. I did not leave the hospital. I was there for a total of five days. And so of course you got to have a bowel movement. I did not have one because I had a C-section. So they said, as long as you pass gas, I was in there eating bananas, oatmeal, like anything that was protein. And soon as I did whatever I had to do, I was like, I wanted to jump up and down, but I couldn't because I could barely walk. But my postpartum was to me very good. I was able to do all the things I wanted to do with my son, like breastfeed. He was like the perfect baby in terms of sleep patterns. He didn't keep us up at night. But one thing that I do want to leave you with before I wrap up this video is pay attention to what happens during your pregnancy. And um, when I was pregnant around the time where he started moving in my stomach, like five months, if not before, I noticed that I will wake up every day at 4 a.m. in the morning. And do you know to this day, because right now my son's four, right? Do you know to this day, my son wakes up almost every morning at four o'clock. When he was brought home from the hospital, he didn't wake up until four o'clock to the point where I felt like I needed to wake him up to breastfeed. So I hope that you've enjoyed part five of this series. Make sure that you, if you like it and you want to stay connected, subscribe to my channel. Give this video a thumbs up if you've enjoyed it. If you have any questions about this journey, or I would highly encourage you also to go back and watch part one and part four, put it in the comment box. Let me know what was your biggest takeaway. And again, just like the other parts of the series, if anything in terms of my journey that I shared triggered you in a positive way in terms of like, you know, I want to manifest a baby. I deserve to be a mother or a father. You know, I would challenge you to go after it. Go against the grain of what the doctors have told you. That's what I shared in the beginning. And even though I was offered the option of having a surgery, there was still no guarantee that I would be able to get pregnant nor hold a child. And age is nothing but a number. We have we have so much technology nowadays. There's no excuse as to why you cannot utilize technology to your advantage. Use your health insurance to your advantage. We pay all this money out of pocket, especially if you're a business owner. I don't care what kind of insurance you got. I don't care if it's $100. You pay for it. What are you doing with it? Right? So in the last part of the series, I'm going to talk about what it has been like to run a business, be a full-time mom, create my own schedule, create a million dollar business, right? Or something better because more is coming, <laughs> right? But I, you know, I, all my dreams have come true, how to travel with a baby and, and why, when I look back full circle, why I'm happy that things happened in the order that they happened because I wouldn't be the person and woman and wife and bonus mom that I am today 
if I would not have been through those experiences. And so I will see you in the last part of the series. Stay connected. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Therapists Deserve Abundance podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but that flew by way too fast. So if you want more, head over to drtk.com for additional abundant resources. And if you are looking for a tribe of abundant therapists like yourself to bounce around ideas and tap into another level of business growth abundance, be sure to join our Facebook community exclusively for therapists. The link is waiting for you at drtk.com. Come.